Welcome, I'm Matthew from The Travel Podcast. On this episode, we'll be going on a virtual road trip starting in the beautiful state of Utah, where we will be stopping to explore the Rocky Mountains and the stunning landscapes of Bryce and Zion National Parks. En route to visit Arizona, where we're going to be stopping off at the Grand Canyon National Park and Flagstaff, before ending up in one of The Travel Podcast's favourite places to kick back and relax, Scottsdale, before flying home. We're basing this roughly over a two-week trip that you can really get to engage and get to see as much as you can of these beautiful destinations and get out and explore the great outdoors. So our special guests on this virtual road trip and sharing their first-hand knowledge and recommendations, uh, let's welcome Jenny from Visit Utah, Sherry from Discover Flagstaff and Emily from Experience Scottsdale. So hi everyone. Hello. Hello. And um, so each of you will be giving your top tips and recommendations when traveling during any of the four seasons. So on this virtual road trip, as we go through, we'll be given some top tips no matter what time of year you want to visit. And you can obviously match it depending upon what you want to really focus on. So you may want to go skiing in Utah and then enjoy the sunshine down in Arizona, or you may want to be out in full sunshine year round. So we're going to start our road trip off in Utah. And this is a classic US road trip destination, being home to some stunning scenic drives, national memorials, and the mighty five national uh, parks in the south. And a mountain range for year round activities and home of world class ski resorts which is probably one of my favorite activities to do outside of being on the beach and in the water so i'm going to start off with you jenny so if we uh, starting off in salt lake city uh, where where we have an international airport where we can arrive into um if we stop off there for, for a night or so what would you recommend be recommending to visit when you're in salt lake salt lake's in an amazing city and it's one of my sort of like favorites for backdrops as you land into what is actually the brand new airport in um in salt lake city you're going to see the rocky mountains straight away they really are a dramatic backdrop to the city. Um, Salt Lake is home to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So to you and I, that is the Mormon church. So one of the top things to do when in the city is actually visit Temple Square, which is the site of the main temple. Now, unless you're a member of the church, you can't go in the square. But um, all year round, Temple Square itself is absolutely incredible. Um, in the sun, in the in the springtime, it's um, full of blossom, um, beautiful trees. Um, through the summertime, really bright, beautiful backdrop. Um, and then in the autumn, you have the fall colours. And then the winter, it's all lit up for Christmas. So that's really, really pretty. Um, that's just by um, the main shopping area. And if you want to do shopping in Utah, Salt Lake's going to be your main place. Um, that's called City Creek. Got some great shops, some great dining. Um, and then Utah is possibly not known for its beer scene, but it has a real great up-and-coming craft, craft brewery scene. And there's some some really great bars for um, entertainment in the evenings in Salt Lake City as well. No, it's amazing. I, I have actually stayed there myself and it is a, a very uh, easily accessible um, city. So nice and easy to walk around as well. So you can go out and explore some of the eateries in the evening year round. And also, if you like your water parks, there's a few not far away. One down in Provo, which I visited, which was, which was great fun. <laughs> Um, and, and also, if you like your sports, it does have some some sports there. So um, I know they have soccer and also basketball and college American football, if you want to enjoy that. And going on to probably the place that I want to visit most in Utah, so, uh, just but just ahead of the national parks of Bryce and Zion, is Park City 
and skiing in Utah. And I've heard some of the snow is unbelievable, but I know it's not just about ski. I know in the summertime and year round, it's an amazing destination. So if we head up, uh, head up east into the Rocky Mountains, it's about a 45 minute drive to Park City. What can we expect when we arrive and what would be some of your recommendations for us to do throughout the year? Well, obviously... Utah is known for what we've coined the greatest snow on earth. So as you mentioned, it is one of the best places to go skiing. Um, and Park City is the resort that's best known um, within Utah. But there are, I think it's 15 other resorts across the, across the state. Park City is um, a really historic town. Um, it, it was an old mining town and it's retained that character. The, the main street is called Historic Main Street. And it is your typical almost boardwalk street with some really great um, eateries, galleries, craft stores. Um, you can really pick up some fantastic souvenirs in Park City. Um, as a trolley tour that goes all the way through it, which is really quite quintessentially America. We don't really have that over here. In terms of activities, as you said, all throughout the year, it's absolutely fantastic. In the summer, make use of the mountains to go um, hiking, mountain biking. They have um, summer roller coasters that, that run down the mountain. You've got access to a lot of the lifts around there. Um, you've also just got, just outside Park City is the one of the main sites of Olympic Park. So from when they hosted the 2002 Winter Olympics, um, there you can go on a fantastic tour that will take you right to the top of the bobsleigh track, um, right to the top of the the ski jump where you actually look right down where um, ski jumpers go from and it's really not for the faint-hearted I tell you um, really really fantastic guided tour around there and a really good museum to go with it um, Park City is also known for its um, evening entertainment and dining options um, so you're really spoiled for choice and it is just so close to Salt Lake City but it feels miles apart because you really are in the heart of the Rocky Mountains Mountain biking I think is definitely something that people will also know it for as the Amazing. And also the Sundance Film Festival. Yes. I know it's an iconic festival that a lot of people would have heard of. But yeah, that's something that goes on during the ski season, I believe. Is that? Yeah, so it, it falls, um, it's sort of towards the end of January into February and it goes across Park City, um, a little bit in Salt Lake City and then Sundance Mountain Resort as well. Um, and that's where a lot of um, small um, independent films are premiered. Um, so you have a lot of celebrities that will be in Park City at that time. So you don't quite know who you're going to see. And one of the biggest top tips I can give you, if you do manage to get accommodation in the area, is it's one of the best times to actually ski Park City. Um, because most people are actually down the mountain and not on the slopes. So what are normally quiet slopes on a day to day basis is even quieter. So you can really cruise around in that greater snow on earth with hardly anybody else on the slopes. It's all of my colleagues who are based at Utah Office of Tourism. It's their favorite time to ski. Sounds epic time to get away. Mm -hmm. Great time. Absolutely. I'm sure there's some great parties in the evening to enjoy. Nice mm -hmm. And you have yeah. no one on the slopes. <laughs> no, exactly. My ultimate goal one day is to experience that properly, personally. No, I'm, I'm there with you. And uh, being a year-round year destination, depending on time, what time of year we visit, um, what activities can we get up to um, even around the rest of the area if people may want to go and stay, maybe spend a bit longer in Salt Lake and Park City? Are there any other recommendations or, of, of places to visit and do some activities? 
Oh my goodness, there's so many different places that you can visit. Um, to the north of Salt Lake City is one of my favourite places in Utah. It's actually called Antelope Island State Park, and that is the largest island on the Great Salt Lake. Um, it's got fantastic views across Salt Lake City and towards the mountains, but my favourite part is that it's got a, a, a really big herd of bison on it. And I just there's just something about bison or buffalo. They're just such majestic creatures. They're huge. You don't really want to get too close to them but they're just mesmerizing and you can just drive around the island um, and just spot herds of them individual bison as well and if you go at the right time of year so in the summer months you can actually float in the great salt lake and because it's so salty you do float and um just before we move move down into bryce uh, canyon national park further down in the south what's the temperatures like throughout the year depending upon uh where you are so i know from my own experience it can get into your high 90s or maybe in the 30 degrees celsius depending on where you're listening from when you're in salt lake but obviously if you go up into the mountains that will drop in the summer so it's a an ideal time there yeah well in as you said in the summer months it really does get warm even in the mountains as well because you know the weather um is what i think we would consider is pretty good year round in that it's not particularly wet um so it's nice clear open vistas i mean my favorite time anywhere in utah is always going to be spring and autumn um and then obviously in the winter it can get very cold um even down at salt lake level because um even though you feel you're at a lower elevation you're actually still at a very high elevation i think it's uh, above a thousand meters I'm going to say meters yeah um, so and that that's something that you do notice straight away even walking around the city in that you are at a higher elevation than you and I are used to no definitely you definitely are at a higher elevation and um, we're moving down now to Bryce and Zion uh, Canyon National Park so we start off in Bryce Canyon National Park which is about four and a half hours away from uh, Park City and, and uh, Salt Lake City and down there I mean it's, it's one of the destinations that I really want to visit. I mean, the scenery and some of the photos that you, you may have seen these photos uh, for any of the listeners listening in, uh, but you wouldn't know where, where it is in, in the world, but it is unbelievable. So when we are down in Bryce Canyon National Park, um, can you give us some highlights of places definitely to, to, to visit for some other photos and just hikes in general and um, the hoodoos? So this is the thing that I'm looking forward to hearing most about is the, this is what I think a lot of people may have seen in photos are the hoodoos. So what are they and, and how were they in, uh, how were they formed? Okay. Well, so in layman's terms, I think the easiest way to explain it, uh, Bryce Canyon is that it's a huge amphitheater that you almost stood on the top of looking down into. And then what you're looking at is just hundreds and hundreds, thousands of these little rock spires. And that's what's called the hoodoo. So they're those rock spires that you can see. And there really is very few places in the world of anything like it. Um, so these were formed over many, many years. And basically, water has kind of soaked into them. And then in the colder months, it's it's frozen and it started cracking and forming these shapes. And then couple that with just normal wind and rain erosion. It's created these really out of this world formations. And, you know, not only are they called hoodoos, but some of them have also been given their own names, which is quite fun. Um, I'm not very good at spotting them and people can point them out to me and they'll go, doesn't that spire look like, and for example, Queen Victoria, it's got a slightly sort of more rotund look to it somewhere. And I haven't seen them and I have tried. There was three ugly naked guys. Um, 
three spires that look a little bit odd, I guess. Um, so yeah, that's that's really fun to to kind of like try and see what shapes you can see. And it's like looking at clouds. One person will see something and then another person won't see it at all. Um, Bryce Canyon, you can almost do as much or as little as you want to do. Um, again, we're at quite a high elevation um, and there's lots of different viewpoints all the way around the amphitheater or the sort of like the canyon rim. The two probably most famous are sunrise and sunset points um, and they are the best places to see sunrise and sunset. Um, so what you see is whether the sun is rising or setting is just the colors. I mean, you know, it's a very, very deep red rocks and it changes, the hue changes from the sort of like the, the, the reddy colors to the orange colors, depending on where the sun is at that time. In terms of walking around the area, the easiest trail to do is the rim trail, which takes you from sort of like almost car park to car park. So you can drive between um, the trail and just do little bits of it, or you can walk the whole of the rim. But the, the best trails I think to do are the ones that take you down into the canyon. And it really is a zig down, zigzag down in and amongst those hoodoos. So what you're originally looking down on, you're suddenly in within them, looking up um, at them. One of my favorite trails is the Navajo Trail, which takes you pretty much to a, you know, a good way down to the bottom of it. <laughs> what you do have to remember is that when you walk down, you have to come back up again. And that's where you really do feel the altitude. And it takes a lot longer to make your way back up to the top of the park. No, definitely, I'd recommend making sure you have uh, water and snacks with you when you do these these treks, yeah. especially in the summertime. You definitely do need it. And um, you can do it without walking yourself. There are some great places um, locally where you can um, join what we would call um, a pony trekking um, guided tour. So, um, yeah, horse riding trail, um, which is a really great way to go to experience it. Um, and you're with others um, and you're following people down into that into that canyon. Um, absolutely beautiful. Really, really great experience. And um, I know it's, it's, got like, it's an international dark sky park. So can you just explain to listeners what that means? Okay. So um, the International Dark Sky Association accredits areas um, for their limited light pollution and the stargazing opportunities. And Utah actually has the largest concentration of international dark sky places anywhere in the world. Um, admittedly, you have to apply to be assessed. Um, and so there's a lot of locations throughout Utah that are going through that um, application process. Uh, Bryce Canyon was actually um, designated last year, so in 2019, and it just means that there's very, very little light pollution. Uh, stargazing opportunities are fantastic, and the local area has pledged to maintain that. Um, so you can go stargazing yourself. You can just, you know, head into the park at any point in the evening and just switch off your car lights and just sit, let your eyes adjust um, and just have a look and see what you can see. But then what I think is fantastic is that they run ranger led dark sky programs. Um, definitely all through the summer and then ad hoc um, throughout sort of like the shoulder season. And that's where you can join a ranger in a given point, a given location um, in the evening. They'll have telescopes set up and they will actually tell you what you can see. So what stars you're looking at, what planets are about. And if you're really lucky, you'll see the Milky Way as well, which is just breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. And where would you recommend staying uh, close to, to Bryce? So just on the periphery of the park, there is um, a little town called Bryce Canyon City, and that has a number of hotels on it. I think it's three hotels. 
It also has an RV park um, for anyone who's motorhoming um, through Utah. And then there's also a couple of neighboring towns which are a little bit further away. There's Panguitch um, and Tropic, uh, Cannonville as well. And they've all got little um, hotels as well that you can stay in. And then within the park, there is one hotel, so a national park property as well, which is um, by one of the, well, it's actually just by the rim of the, the actual canyon. So you are really very, very close to those viewpoints I was talking about. Perfect. And especially for those motorhoming around, there's going to be lots of RV points throughout uh, Utah and also then down into Arizona, which we'll be heading to in a short while. Yeah. So leaving one beautiful state park, we head to another, Zion National Park. Uh, it's about an hour and a half uh, south of Bryce. So what's the, the, the differences between the two? Because they're, they're both amazing. Um, I've, I've the, the Narrows is a place that I would love to hike. Um, and I know there's many, many others. So I'll hand over to, to yourself to sort of differentiate between the two. They are vastly different. I mean, you mentioned at the beginning when we first started talking that Utah's known for its mighty five national parks and we're just covering two, but all five are so, so different. Um, Zion is um, a long, narrow canyon. It's got real proper towering, towering cliffs. Um, so, I mean, it all starts probably about 45 minutes into that, that, that hour and a half journey that you mentioned from Bryce Canyon, where you kind of head off the main road and towards the national park. And then suddenly you start making your way down into the canyon and you go through these incredible tunnels, which are just drilled out of the cliff. And then you just start beginning to see the proper canyon walls as you make your way down. And it's just kind of like this anticipation is building because you're getting a flavor, but you're not quite sure what you're seeing because you're going in and out of these tunnels. And the tunnels have got little kind of like windows almost in them and then you start getting even more of a taste of what you're going to see now because Zion is a canyon and a narrow canyon at that most of the year they don't allow cars in it there's just not enough space there's not enough space for car parking so they run a shuttle system and that runs from the gateway town of Springdale so the easiest thing to do is to um, select your accommodation there's loads and loads of choices in Springdale um, and you just literally park up there and you can just on the Springdale shuttle which links up with the Zion shuttle and that takes you into the national park and it's got a number of stops all the way along where you can um, get off the shuttle and do various different sightseeing and really in Zion it's about wandering around and just taking in that scenery so it depends on how active you are as to what you want to do. There's um, wheelchair accessible little boardwalk walks that you can wander along, short and sweet. There's things that are a little bit more challenging. And then you've mentioned the Narrows, which is probably one of the best walks or hikes I've ever done because it's so different. Um, the best thing to do is to pop into one of the um, adventure outfitters in Springdale just to equip yourself with some neoprene socks, um, some sturdy shoes um, and a walking stick. And you're probably wondering why on earth do I need these? Is because the narrows is you're walking into the depths of the Slot Canyon where the Virgin River goes and you're walking in and out of the river. You can do it in your own hiking boots if you want to, but they're going to end up getting wet and then you've got to dry them off. Um, so yes, you can walk into this canyon. Um, it has a, a finite point that you can get to, but it takes quite some time to get there and you'll probably find you don't get that far unless you're dedicating the whole day to it. Um, but depending on the time of 
year depends on how deep the water that you're wading in and out of and how big kind of like the edges are um, that you can walk alongside the river as well. Um, they do monitor the water levels very, very closely and it will get closed if there are any risks of flash floods. That's not really what's going on in Zion, but what's happening upriver. So in case the, uh, there's any chance of sort of like a big water surge. Um, so that tends to happen in the spring um, into potentially early summer uh, because that's when there's snow melt further upstream in the mountainous areas. Um, and then there might other kind of like top tip for anyone who is into a little bit more of a challenge hike is Angel's Landing. And this is almost walking from the canyon floor all the way up um, to the top of the canyon and looking down into it. Lots and lots of hairpin bends or switchbacks, as they call them in the United States. Um, and then at the very, very end of it, if you've not got a head for heights, I wouldn't recommend it. Or if you have vertigo, is because you hold on to a little chain and you're almost on, I guess, the precipice right up to that final viewpoint. So, and you know, you are rewarded with the views. There's no doubt about it. Sounds like my cup of tea. And um, <laughs> also, I know we were talking before um, before we started, uh, the the snow on the hoodoos. I know you mentioned it, but you mm. actually get snow in the southern parts of, of Utah as well. So I can imagine during winter that these views and the hikes on, in both parks would be completely different. It does. It takes on a whole different personality and there's this almost air of peacefulness about them. Um, just because... I mean, that's what the snow brings anyway. And it, it's not constant snow. It's kind of like a really great idea to combine doing some skiing in the north with the national parks of the south because you experience them in such a different different personality, I think you would call it. So instead of going on that um, horse ride in Bryce Canyon, hire some snowshoes and go for a snowshoe walk. Um, on any of the trails. Um, Zion National Park has a lower elevation to um, Bryce Canyon. So normally it's more of a dusting of snow that you get. And so, for example, if you walk the Narrows, we recommend that you get um, like a waterproof suit to wear instead, just to keep you that little bit warmer. Um, and so, and you know, if it snows while you're walking the Narrows, you can almost hear the snowflakes falling. It's just so, so peaceful. And again, these are these are U.S. national parks. They're naturally very, very popular. To, so to experience them in the winter months, or even in the early spring or late autumn, it's a it's a lot more, it's a lot quieter for sure. There aren't quite so many people around. No, and I think that like that's it. You're getting a completely different view and, and sense of, of there. And I can imagine, especially like the hoodoos or different uh, different areas of, of both, where it will look a bit like a that um, postcard picture of a um, Austrian village, like sugar coated on top of the snow. It look very picturesque. It is it's the sugar coating for sure. Definitely in Zion. Um, it might linger a lot, a little bit longer in, in in Bryce Canyon because it's at a higher elevation. That's the highest elevation of all of the five national parks, so it will get more more snow. No, amazing! So definitely different ways of seeing it during different seasons. And we're heading out of Utah, and we're heading down to Flagstaff, Arizona, where we get to where we use that as a base to explore the world famous the Grand Canyon National Park. And we're joined by Cherie. Some of you may uh, remember Sheree from our Arizona Fly Drive. So, hi, Sheree. 
Good day. How are you, Matthew? I'm very well, thank you. And um, on this episode, you're going to be talking about the four different seasons of Flagstaff and and what you can do in in each one and how you can experience the Grand Canyon as well from Flagstaff. So if we if we carry on from the snow talk and the and the winter uh, of Arizona, um, of Utah, um, coming into Flagstaff and the Grand Canyon, what's winter like? <laughs> It's actually uh, it's it's actually very beautiful. We are heading into winter sort of as we speak, although it's quite quite warm today. Uh, it's it's definitely not ski season as you think of it. But uh, our ski resort does open tomorrow. Um, there is man made snow until we get a lot of the natural snow, and that takes you into either late April, possibly um, mid-May, depending on the snow. The the Grand Canyon, um, again, is, you know, you mentioned that too very quickly, is about a 90-minute drive from Flagstaff, uh, which really is kind of, we're kind of the heart of what we call Northern Arizona because we are the largest town. So uh, to see the Grand Canyon as well in the winter is very similar to what Jenny just explained in Utah. You have that beautiful red rock, sandstone, and volcanic activity uh, from, you know, millions of years of developing the Grand Canyon. Um, A wonderful, wonderful day trip. Um, in addition to uh, our downhill skiing, though, we also have uh, our Nordic Center. Arizona Nordic Village has been around for about 20 years for those who really are maybe are not downhill skiers and like to take a little um, more relaxed approach to skiing. Uh, They will be opening probably in the next 30 days, again, as soon as we get some snow. Uh, The elevations there are quite high, actually. Uh, The town of Flagstaff itself is is over 2,100 meters. So by the time you head to either Arizona Snowball, which the base elevation at Snowball is 2,800 meters, so again, quite quite high, goes up to about 3,600 meters. And uh, Arizona Nordic Village is actually starts out at, uh, at about a thousand feet higher in elevation than the town of Flagstaff. So you are you are uh, climbing once you get up to these two uh, ski areas. Um, at the Nordic Village, you can actually stay there if you like, and that is year round. They actually have some cabins. They also have a few yurts <laughs> if, if you're daring enough to do that, which is kind of fun. In the winter, aside from cross-country skiing, you can also uh, do some snowshoeing. They have snow bikes. They call snow bikes because they have the very, very wide tires. And it's just a just a beautiful, beautiful setting among the ponderosa pines. Um, a lot of people may not know that Flagstaff sits in sort of the middle of the largest contiguous ponderosa pine forest in the United States. So it's it's quite beautiful here. Very, very, very different than other parts of Arizona. And then finally, um, as far as snow activities are concerned, every year we have what we call Flagstaff Snow Park, and that is for snow tubing. (laughs) So again, great, uh, great family activity, great for the kids, uh, both again, man-made and natural snow there. And and finally, just to kind of uh, highlight 
the winter season, um, we have what we call North Pole Experience in Flagstaff. They've been doing this for about a dozen years. And you can actually, it's a, it's a great family activity, but uh, I can tell you that my husband and I went there a couple years ago and I, I just fell in love with it. It's really sort of a, you step into Santa's workshop basically. And it's about an hour and a half of just going from, from room to room, smelling cookies, eating cookies, having hot chocolate, meeting Santa, meeting Mrs. Claus. It's really just a wonderful, wonderful experience. So North Pole Experience starts usually at the end of November and runs to uh, about the end of December, early January each year. So that's a lot of fun. And then for New Year's Eve, if you're here, we have, uh, believe it or not, we have a pine cone drop. So from our Weatherford Hotel in downtown Flagstaff, instead of a a huge uh, sort of New Year's Eve ball that they do at Times Square in New York City, we actually have a huge pine cone that we drop for New Year's Eve. So that's it's quite fun. And something that really took me aback there is how high the elevation of the base level of Arizona Snowball is because Val d'Azur, which is one of the highest resorts in the Alps, um, and I love it, is uh, around 6,000 6, feet, which is eight, uh, 1,850 meters. And you're sitting at 9,200 feet or 2,800 meters as your base level. And that's pretty much going to be one of their peaks. Right. So it, I, I know I always forget the mountainous areas of Arizona and, and the fact you can ski there. So I've already started thinking I'm going to do an epic uh, ski and explore with Utah and Arizona <laughs> and ended up in the sunny resort of Scottsdale. So I'm already planning my trip. Um, yeah, but that, that, I love it. And there it's also <laughs> the Santa's experience. So uh, over here in the UK, a lot of people will know about Santa's Lapland and going out and experiencing that is a, is a massive thing. Um, so being able to do that on your trip there and, and having that in that uh, in, in Flagstaff is, is a great, great experience as well. So moving on from winter going into spring and summer, uh, how do the season changes and how does that then affect your vi- what visitors will get to see at the Grand Canyon National Park and also what is about uh, in Flagstaff? Yes, uh, the snow, as I, as I mentioned, in Flagstaff, and, and I do have to sort of, there's a caveat to that. Most of the snow will be on the peaks uh, although we do get snow, of course, in town, um, we could get a couple inches, we could get a couple feet, but typically it melts within a, a week to 14 days and and the, uh, the roadways are clear. So it's very easy to get around. So once that all melts and kind of sort of goes away by, let, let's say, early May, typically, then we head into the beautiful spring. And if, you know, if you've spent time in the mountains, you know, that no matter where you are on the mountains, that usually means beautiful spring flowers. So great for hiking, uh, perfect temperatures. Uh, you're you're going to be in probably the mid-teens, something like that, Celsius, Celsius in the springtime, which is just a perfect time to do some, maybe some whitewater rafting in the Grand Canyon. Uh, you can also do biking, hiking, backpacking. Uh, photo tours are quite popular here. And that's not just in the Grand Canyon, that's that's Flagstaff and really uh, all the surrounding areas of uh, in northern Arizona. The the interesting thing is uh, in late spring, usually in 
probably the third or fourth week of May at Arizona Snowball, our ski resort, they actually have what they call a scenic chairlift. This actually continues on into the fall, which we'll talk about, but they have not only the chairlift, but of course they have several restaurants. They have a lot of different family activities. And I always recommend it because at the top of the ski uh, at the at the chairlift, excuse me. You will be up at close to thirty six hundred meters, and most days here are clear as they are. Again, in Utah, all over Arizona, we have a very dry climate, so it's sunny most days in, in both of these states. But on a clear day, uh, you can see the south rim of the Grand Canyon from the top of the of the chairlift, which is is quite stunning. So you just sort of see all these beautiful red hues. So I absolutely recommend that for sure. Uh, usually around the end of April, we start our festival season. We're sort of the festival town of, of Arizona. So starting in about the last week of April uh, through, uh, through October, we have more than 30 different festivals in Flagstaff. Everything from, for example, Blues and Brews festivals to beer tasting to um, at the Museum, Museum of Northern Arizona. If you're particularly interested in the Native American culture, you, you might want to schedule your trip around either the Hopi, Zuni or Navajo festivals in the summer. And of course, all of that is on the Discover Flagstaff website so you can plan accordingly. Also, during the summer, we have our beautiful Arboretum that opens. Uh, it's, it's basically at the uh, bottom of the, uh, the San Francisco Peak. So when you're there, again, in this for forested area, you're also looking up to the San Francisco Peaks. And they have just started something a little bit different. So, you, of course, you can walk yourselves, you can get a guided tour, or uh, starting next year, you will be able to do a guided Segway tour in the Arboretum. So, again, something a little bit different, kind of fun. And uh, because we are sort of an opposite season of Phoenix, the summers up in Flagstaff are very, very cool. Um, and the nights get even cooler. Sometimes you need uh, even, even a sweater. They probably average about 24 Celsius during the day. So it's just about perfect. And it's a great time to do some, maybe some walking tours, our historic downtown walking tours. Uh, we also have a Route 66 uh, walking tour, haunted house walking tour, and all kinds of fun things. Our historic downtown is uh, completely walkable and was named uh, last year by MSN.com as one of the 10 most charming historic downtowns in the United States. So lots of local shops, galleries, breweries. We are also known as the craft beer town. You can take a uh, sort of a self tour of, of all of our breweries. Uh, so again, lots of, lots of things to do, but again, we're, you know, being in the West, we're an outdoor destination. So you just want to spend as much time as you can outside. And I can definitely recommend um, getting involved with the festivals of the Hopi, the Zuni, and the Navajo. I um, was very fortunate to to stay on the the Zuni reservation and some of their artwork and and the culture of the uh, uh, of the Zuni tribes are, are um, unbelievable. So definitely make sure you, if you're visiting, check out some of those uh, and and the history of of, of those um, the Hopi, the Zuni, and the Navajo. And moving on to the fall or autumn, depending on where you're listening from. 
from? <laughs> what is there to get up to? Uh, I know we talked about this a couple of times, but I'm going to talk about it again. Uh, the scenic chairlift it, at Arizona Snowball in the fall is quite beautiful. Of course, we have the fall colors, the beautiful yellow, the aspens, the, the reds of the maples. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, during the summer months, fall as well, you can see at the very top, you can see the south rim of the Grand Canyon, which is quite, quite outstanding. Great time to take photos. Uh, we also go into fall festivals. Of course, I mentioned festivals really go on through the end of October. We have things like Art in the Park. We have Oktoberfest. We have Jam Beery <laughs> for the, the beer drinkers. Believe it or not, we have Shakespeare Festival. We have two Shakespeare festivals. Um, so th those types of things are a lot of fun. Um, also, uh, Flagstaff Extreme, which is open year-round, is actually our zip lining and adventure course, just about 10 minutes from downtown. Very, very close. A lot of fun, all different categories and levels that you can try there. Uh, at night, I would absolutely recommend no matter what time of year you're here to visit Lowell Observatory. Uh, our observatory was founded back in 1894. It is one of the still the premier research observatories in the United States. However, they're also our number one tourist attraction, and they've just spent uh, several million dollars adding uh, about a year ago what's called the Giovanni Open Air Observation Deck, so a lot more telescopes. You can go there during the day or at night, uh, same price. You don't have to pay two different fees. Uh, maybe listen to some lectures, could go through the muse museum and things like that during the day and come back and do some wonderful stargazing at night. Uh, if you're interested in science, the observatory was uh, one of the areas, as well as Flagstaff, that trained every astronaut that walked on the moon in the Apollo mission back in 1969. So you'll find a lot of our what we call our lunar legacy there, which is which is fun to um, sort of explore and, uh, and really take part of literally walk in the steps of astronauts that were here, you know, 50 years ago. And finally, I would absolutely recommend going to uh, meteor crater, which is about 30 minutes away from Flagstaff, uh, go to Arizona, which is an amazing wildlife park. And, uh, then come back at night and enjoy our restaurants, our bars and our very vibrant music scene the, and i just want to highlight the fact of that snowball scenic chairlift for the full colors would be an amazing photo opportunity as you're going up to to see all of that and then also see the south rim of the grand canyon absolutely stunning so yeah it truly is an amazing amazing recommendation thank you very much for sharing that and and everything else that there is to do in flagstaff and the grand canyon throughout the year so it's again this, uh, this episode really is highlighting how much there is to do in the great outdoors in the West and some of these amazing national parks and, and towns and cities to visit along, along your, um, along your fly drive. So, um, leaving Flagstaff, um, I'm definitely, by the way, I'm, I'm going to mention it again. I mentioned it on the, the Arizona one, but I'm definitely doing that craft beer, uh, passport that you've got. So 
I need a bit of R and R, a bit of relaxation, especially if I'm doing my ski trip. Um, I'm go- I'm heading down to to meet you, Emily, in Scottsdale. So starting off in in the winter months, if I've been enjoying myself uh, on the slopes, getting to, getting on some cool winter hikes and snowshoeing through the national parks, and enjoying my um, my craft beer passport in Flagstaff, what would be your recommendation? What's the weather going to be like first? Do I need to pack um, you know my swim trunks and some shorts to enjoy some sunshine is it gonna or is it more jumper and trousers sort of weather um so i'm definitely the oddball of this call because i am the warmer destination of all of them so um you know what you're looking at in terms of weather is we average in our winter months at a high of about 70 degrees which is 21 celsius um but our low only drops to about 40 fahrenheit or four degrees celsius so no matter where you are it's very ideal to get out um you know the outdoors we kind of make jokes when we live in scottsdale that you you get a tan in the winter and you actually lose it in the summer um, because now is the time that we are outside. We're dining al fresco. Um, we're getting out. We're going on hikes. We are also enjoying golf. Um, so a lot of golfers like to come in the winter season because the grass gets changed over in the fall with overseeding. And so we are known for that desert golf, which is going to be more of like a challenging like target style approach. If you're like me and you are horrible at golf, I just recommend going to Top Golf. It's outside. You can just drink and eat as you're swinging a couple balls. But for those golfers, highly recommend coming out in that winter month um, because the weather is so inviting and so beautiful. You want to be outside. Um, again, whether you're out on a patio enjoying some uh, prickly pear margaritas or local wine, whatever you're looking for. Um, as we go into spring, kind of that winter to spring transition, that is when the events can off for us here um, in Scottsdale. So it kind of starts with Barrett Jackson, which is an auto show for cars. Um, You get to see like the Batmobile get sold. And it's even if you're not purchasing, which few of us can, um, it is really quite the experience to walk around. Obviously, right now, things are a little different, um, but it is an annual event that kind of kicks off our season, which is followed closely by the Waste Management Phoenix Open, which takes place at TPC Scottsdale. Um, Again, not a golfer, but the Waste Management is one of my favorite events of the year. Um, Under normal circumstances, they bring in hundreds of thousands of crowds into TPC Scottsdale, where you see people in, you know, jeans and a baseball cap and ladies in high heels and dresses. It's quite the event. Um, obviously we're, we're, we're mixing it up a little with what's going on, but, um, definitely an event worth checking out whether you're a golfer or not. Um, and then we kind of go into what most people call is our best season, which is our spring. So, you know, those beautiful 75 degree days, um, And truthfully, we see a huge volume increase of people coming into the destination to take advantage of our sunshine. Um, We are home to Cactus League Spring Training, which is American baseball. It's a great way to kind of get more personalized attention to the sport. Um, You get to see your favorite teams play in smaller stadiums. You might be out in Old Town and see your favorite player next to you. Um, Really, really a great, great time for people to come 
also the desert. Um, so Scottsdale, for those of you who are following along, we're in the Sonoran Desert. You should know this by now. It is, you know, the most lush and green desert in the world year round. But in the spring months, it's absolutely beautiful because you have wildflowers bloom. Um, the saguaro cactus bloom at the end of the season, which is the big ones with the arms. Um, so really, we we also recommend to get out and go hiking even during those springtime months. Um, soak up that sunshine, maybe maybe lay by the pool, um, take advantage of the fact that a lot of our spas throughout the destination actually have outdoor components. Um, so, you know, the whirlpool and the, the cold plunge and the hot jacuzzi, all of those are outside. We have some spas with, you know, magical waterfalls that reduce pressure on your back, depending on where you stand in the waterfall. We also have mineral pools with music underwater. Um, so I would also recommend doing spas. Clearly you can see where my head's at. Um, but definitely take advantage of those events. Um, and then we kind of go into summer. So right when the saguaro blooms, which is usually, you know, mid to late May, early June, um, that's when you're going to see those little white flowers appear on the top. It looks like little hats. It's my favorite part. Um, but that is a signal that it is time for the summer to approach. So, you know, the sunshine stays, the temperatures do go up. It can hit 40 degrees Celsius, which is like 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, but we do not have humidity um, at any point throughout the year. So it does make summer bearable. So what the locals like to do is we kind of skew our days. So you're going to start a little earlier. Maybe you'll get up at sunrise, which is that point of the year is like 5.30 a.m. Maybe you'll take a hot air balloon ride over the desert, get to see the beautiful mountains just fill with light. Um, maybe see some animals out and about in the morning. And then during the day, you can definitely take advantage of our amazing pools and cabanas um, at our resorts or it's a perfect time to get inside at some of our world-class attractions and museums. Um, so some of, some of the top ones that you don't want to miss definitely would include Western Spirit, which is Scottsdale's Museum of the West. Um, it focuses on all Western culture and history of the state. So maybe, you know, there's a little bit of Utah and a little bit of Flagstaff sprinkled into, um, it's a Smithsonian affiliate. I really enjoy it because, um, a lot of what they display is on loan. So every time you go, you're going to get a new experience with their signature, um, first exhibit that you go when you walk in. They also have really cool photo ops with like saddles and there's like a depth perception thing that it's, it's a staple. You have to do it. You feel weird taking a picture with your hand, like in the air, but you're really petting a horse in the photo. Spoiler. Um, in addition to that, we also have Scottsdale's museum of contemporary art. Um, so for art buffs out there, Scottsdale has always been a Mecca for artists coming to take advantage of the beautiful desert, the weather, the, the community, and just that that atmosphere and energy here. Um, so smoke is really fun. We're also home to Taliesin West, which kind of kicks us into fall. Um, so Taliesin West is Frank Lloyd Wright's winter home at one point. It also served as an architectural school. Now it is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. 
Um, they do daily tours um, and they're all volunteer led. So what I love about going to Taliesin West is every time you go, I've had a new guide and it's all volunteer and they love Frank Lloyd Wright and they love his history and they love his building. And so you get their perspective. You kind of pick up very similar details because they all say the same things, but very different. So maybe one focuses on his love life or maybe one focuses a little bit more on school itself. Um, but it's really fascinating to go. It is an indoor outdoor tour. So again, I would recommend going in the fall or the winter or the spring for that one. However, you can go year round. It is open in the summer. Um, and then outside of that, you know, kind of going into that fall season, we like to call that kind of like our secret season because the weather is almost as beautiful as spring, if not more beautiful, you can still get your tan. You can still lay by the pool. You can still get outside, but the rates of our hotels are really favorable. Um, but I can talk about that kind of in a minute. Um, so in the fall, that's when I would really recommend getting out to the desert. So we are home to the McDowell Sonoran Preserve, which I've talked about. Um, it's hundreds and hundreds of miles of free access trails. Um, what's really special is when, when we decided to preserve this space, it's one third of our city. Um, it's never going to be developed. So we're always going to have that, that connection to nature that makes us so special. We have an ADA access trail. So if you have people that might not be able to hike Camelback Mountain, it's a great option for them. Um, my personal favorite hike is Sunrise. Um, it starts out really, really nice. And then it's like super steep. And then you get beautiful views of all the mountains. You get the McDowell's, you can see Camelback, you can see Scottsdale. It's one of my personal favorites. Um, in the spring, you get to see all the flowers blooming and butterflies everywhere. But, but truthfully, you know, it, it is great. And then kind of going back into winter, um, we do have really great holiday events that take place in our destination. Um, you know, the Desert Botanical Garden lights up. Fairmont Scottsdale Princess does its signature Christmas at the Princess, where they have s'more land and ice skating rinks and pop-up like lounge restaurants. Um, and then we also have Scott's Dazzle and Old Town, uh, which just activates different events. So really, no matter when you come to Scottsdale, you're going to get sunshine. You're going to get the, the that access to the outdoors that we've talked about. Um, and, you know, depending on when you come, those rates are also going to change at the hotels you stay at. So what I always like to say is if you look at the, the weather in Scottsdale, you're going to know kind of what rates you're looking at for your hotels. If you're in the summer, when the temperatures are the hottest, Hottest, the rates are also the hottest because those rates are going to drop down. Whereas in the winter and the fall, they're going to be more moderate. And then in the spring, they're going to be at their highest. So those are kind of some of the things I would recommend uh, for Scottsdale, just because we are a year round destination. We would love to show all of these and more. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting other things um, because also in the desert, no matter what time of the year it is, you can get outside. Something that I did forget to mention. Sorry, I'm all over the place. I'm not sticking to the seasons like the other ladies did. Um, but in in the summer, um, what's, what's probably my favorite is that a lot of what we do in the destination kind of shifts to account for it being more of our low season. So for instance, at like the desert botanical garden, they do a flashlight tour series. So I always recommend go right at golden hour before sunrise because you see all these beautiful, um, cactus and desert plants. And then it turns into night, you get a flashlight and then they start to bloom because like the people that live here, the plants here are very smart. They know that in the summer it's hot. They're not going to show off their flowers when it's going to burn. And so they 
they do it at night. And so if you're actually traveling, you get to experience that firsthand. We also have great partners that do, you know, night sky viewing tours after say an ATV or a Hummer tour of the desert. Um, and then there's a little bit of day life too, um, at some of those resorts and nightlife options in old town. So no matter what it is, um, there are great options year round in Scottsdale. And, and just, I know you were so passionate about it earlier about the spas and, um, what would be a couple of your recommended spas for someone to visit and enjoy if they've been enjoying walking and hiking around uh, the Bryce Zion and the Grand Canyon? Um, so that's tough. So in Scottsdale, we actually have more spas per capita than anywhere else in the country. So you were, again, trying to make me choose from a long list of what you want. So for me personally, because I, I, I'm a true like Scottsdale person at heart, I want those outdoors. Um, so for me, any spa that has a connection to the outside is going to be my favorite. So I personally, um, have been to the Fairmont Scottsdale princess. Um, that's the one with like the beautiful waterfall and the rooftop pool. I've also done Omni Montalusia. I've done their spa. I've also done, I think those are the two big ones. I'm going through my list, but other really popular ones include sanctuary spa, which is at Camelback. It's more of a boutique one. Um, the Phoenician, which sits at the base of Camelback as well. That one just went through a huge renovation. It's on my like list to do Hyatt Regency. Their spa is another one that I know everyone likes. That's the one with that water mineral pool with the sound. And then for a true wellness experience, we also have Savannah, um, which is a newer resort for us. And they actually do wellness programming. So you can get the spa treatment, but maybe you also do a hike where you learn about what desert plants you can eat, or maybe you do meditation, or maybe you do other, other experiences. Um, we also have wellness throughout our resorts. That's, I don't know. It's so tough. I, this always happens to me and you keep doing this, Matthew. <laughs> I know. I mean, I mean like that, but, um, and then, <laughs> obviously wrapping up an amazing trip, very Zen and relaxed and, um, in, enjoyed our, a massive road trip from Salt Lake city down to Scottsdale. Um, so you can either drop your car off at Phoenix and get your flight back from there. Or if I remember correctly, there is a great, great connection from Scottsdale to Phoenix International Airport. Am I correct, Emily, or have I just made that up? Yep. No, you are absolutely correct. So um, Phoenix International Airport is definitely the airport um, that we would recommend for people flying commercially into Scottsdale. So from Sky Harbor to Old Town, for instance, it's about a 15-minute drive. So super easy and convenient. And something else that I would also recommend looking into is some of our hotels have rental site, car rental on-site. So you might even not have to go to the airport early. You can just leave your car and then get get to the airport and fly home. But um, typically have round trip flights into the UK with American and British Airways. And you could also do this trip in reverse. So you could easily fly into Phoenix, um, go up to Scottsdale, start Flagstaff, the Grand Canyon, then go um, into Utah and make your way up through the national parks uh, and, and in Salt Lake. So there's lots of different routes and options of this amazing trip. But again, it's getting out and really exploring the great American West and enjoying some amazing spas and food and culture on your journey. So I just 
want to say a massive thank you all for joining us. So thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thanks for having us. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and share with your friends and family. And also make sure you subscribe for free so you can listen to all of our other previous episodes on your podcast platform of choice. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.